Somewhat forgotten amidst all the offseason change surrounding Oklahoma football is the fact that the Sooners will have a brand new kicker in 2022. Gabe Burkich had been a steady staple on OU special teams for the last three seasons. Three. Where did the time go? But why am I surprised by that? Austin Seibert, after all, kicked field goals at Oklahoma in the four seasons prior to Burkich taking over the job. Since 2015, the Sooners have had only two kickers. Wait, wait, hold, hold on. Let me check my notes here. Okay, this, this can't be right. It says here that before Austin Seibert, Oklahoma had another guy who kicked for four years. That's Michael Honeycutt. Wait, so you're telling me in the last decade, Oklahoma's only had three kickers? Wait a second. Before Honeycutt, was Jimmy Stevens? Jimmy Stevens was kicking for Oklahoma when I was in college. All right, you guys get the idea about my ignorance when it comes to kickers in college football. I guess it's pretty common for kickers to play for three or four years. I just, I hadn't noticed. But what's important right now is that Oklahoma needs to find a new guy. And it sounds like redshirt sophomore Zach Schmidt is going to get the first crack at it. Speaking to the media on Tuesday, Brent Venables said Schmidt's been, quote, money in all kinds of different situations. While also laying praise on punter Michael Turk, Venables added that both of those guys have been outstanding dating back to the spring. If all goes to plan, Schmidt will be the Sooners kicker for the next three years. And while we all would like him to make all of his kicks, of course, more importantly, we'd prefer not to see him on the field a whole lot. Oklahoma settled for way too many field goals in 2021 and in 2020. Now I get it. Gabe Burkich was a weapon. Lincoln Riley heaped praise upon his kicker all the time. But what's the old adage? You win games with touchdowns, not field goals. And when you've got the best offensive mind in college football, I'd prefer taking more chances with the offense and fewer field goal attempts. Looking back at Jeff Lebby's brief history as an offensive coordinator, that's only three seasons, one at UCF and two at Ole Miss, kickers don't get a lot of action when Lebby's calling plays. In 2019 at UCF, when Lebby was calling plays for Dylan Gabriel, UCF kicker Dylan Barnes went 15 of 17 on field goal attempts. You could argue Barnes was one of the best kickers in the country, but not quite as good as Gabe Burkich, who went 17 of 17 on field goals back in 2019. I'm sure we all remember that. But the next two seasons, Burkich attempted way more field goals, 26 in 2020 and 26 again last year in 2021. After 2019, Lebby got the OC job at Ole Miss, and the Rebels, well, they didn't attempt many field goals in Lebby's two years calling plays. 10 in 2020 and 17 attempts last year. That's 27 in two seasons. And may I remind you, Burkich had 26 attempts in both 2020 and 2021. Now, maybe Ole Miss's kickers just weren't very good. And that's why Lebby and Lane Kiffin shied away from kicking. And maybe Zach Schmidt will be a weapon, much like Burkich was at times. And maybe Oklahoma will use Schmidt a healthy amount. I don't know. It's possible. But even if Schmidt is a darn good kicker, I'd prefer he hang out on the sidelines as much as possible in 2022 and let Dylan Gabriel and company put as much pressure on opposing defenses as possible. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Thank you for hopping in with us today on another edition of the podcast. August, it's flying by. We're less than three weeks away from OU football. And if I'm doing my math correct, we're a week away from our big 
season preview show. That's when Grant and I tell you exactly what will happen this upcoming college football season. So early spoiler alert, I guess. Uh, if you're new to the show, feel free to leave us a rating and or a review on iTunes. And if you listen on Spotify, you can rate the show on that platform if you like what you're hearing so far. Coming up on the podcast today, what's going on with Oklahoma's offensive line? Brent Venables talked on Tuesday about the whole group, and he left out a well-known name. Was it just a mistake, or could we assume that a starter might be battling for his job? I'll play what Brent Venables said, and we will discuss the audio. Also, things are looking up for Billy Bowman and Marcus Major, but the linebacker room takes a hit as transfer TD Roof, Ted Roof's son, has a serious biceps injury, and Brent Venables fears that it is season-ending. We'll get to all of those topics and perhaps more. So to help me break down everything on the show, let's say hi to Grant for the first time. Grant, what's going on? Hi, Grant. You're Grant. <laughs> oh, oh, so I'm Grant. Sorry. Um, I don't know. Nothing much Great going start. on. Here you go. What, like, well. what's up? What's up with you? What's up with you dedicating words in the opening take to the kicker? Come on, <laughs> come on. What, what are we doing here? This is. I thought. I thought we had established West of Everest is is very much a <laughs> anti kicker show. Not that, not that, like that says anything about, you know, Zach Schmidt's like or Gabe Burgess' human worth or anything like that. Uh, but generally speaking, their position just should not be used. Uh, I figured you'd kind of go this direction. You are uh, the biggest anti-kicker, perhaps in college football, not just the college football media, but just in general. I, I've never met anybody that treats kickers the way that you do. It's it's actually just kind like, of disgusting. Now listen, I mean this is just kind of now this could never be proven or anything. This is this is just an opinion, a, a correct one, mind you. But do you remember last year when Lincoln Riley just at no point in time was ever hesitant about rolling Gabe Burkich out there for whatever long kick, whatever. He had a lot of confidence in him and Gabe Burkich was good, so it's like that part of it makes sense. That's fine. But it didn't matter. I mean, Riley was was running them out there no matter what. They very rarely went for it. If he was within like slightly reasonable field goal range, even if it was like one yard to gain, Burkich was going out there, and it drove me in, in completely insane. And I am absolutely convinced that is the reason why Burkich was terrible in the second half of the season. Do you have uh, the stats to back that up? Because I was thinking in my head, like I, a lot of that happened with Burkich going out there a lot, it seemed to, to, to uh, coincide with the first part of the year when Spencer Rattler was the quarterback and they couldn't move the ball as well. Am I misremembering that? Because I feel like whenever Caleb Williams got in there late in the year, we weren't, we weren't seeing as many field goal attempts. So I guess I could go probably find his game log. Maybe not. I guess I'm more thinking. My, my theory essentially is Riley, Riley threw him out there for a ton of 50-yard field goal attempts because he was really confident in him. And he honestly he didn't do very well on him. He didn't do very well. He missed a lot of kicks last year. Missed a lot. I, I, essentially, I'm saying he should, Lincoln Riley should not have been that confident in Gabe Burkich because outside of his 19 for 19, his, 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 his freshman or sophomore year or whatever. 17 for 17. His 17 of 17, he was pretty inconsistent and not great. Yeah, his last two seasons, he was 20 of 26, both years. So he missed six kicks, six field goals the last two seasons, which... A lot. I mean, that's below, that's below 80%. Missing six kicks is a lot. That's a lot of misses. All right, hold on. Let me bring up the game log real fast. I know this is riveting podcasting, but I'm, I just want to fact check. So, yeah, I mean, we don't, like, we don't need to do it. It's just like they, they kicked way too many field goals last year. Let's see. Spencer Rattler. Yeah, like. I'm basically TCU. making an argument that it was karmic justice 
that Gabe Burkich sucked in the second half of last season because Lincoln Riley showed so much confidence in him. And that is just, that's just kind of icky in terms of 2022 football, in my opinion. All right, bear with me here. So the big one that comes to my mind is the Tulane game, the season opener, where he was attempting all these long field goals. And I look back, and that was the first time – I was going to say it's the first time he missed a kick. That's not true because in 2020 he missed kicks. Uh, he attempted five against Tulane. He was four or five against Tulane. One of one against Western Carolina, whatever. Only one attempt against Nebraska. He missed it. Then West Virginia, three of three. Kansas State, three of three. Texas, four of four. And from then on out, it was – Caleb Williams and well the field goal attempts drastically went down TCU only two attempts one of two Kansas didn't kick any Texas Tech one of one Baylor 0 of two Iowa State 0 of one Oklahoma State one of one and then against Oregon he kicked two so it was I mean the stats bear out it was uh it was Lincoln Riley saying yeah I'm not confident in my offense I think is why he would would send him out there so much when Spencer Rattler was a quarterback. I'm just, that's the way I take from those stats. Ah, all right. Well, this is not the kicking podcast. We'll move on to. I'm just uh, saying, current. I mean, like k- kicking, it's, it, that's whatever. You get three points instead of seven. Hey, well, at least it sounds like Zach Schmidt might be okay. Uh, might be a good kicker. He I has, just, I just for, want, as, can, can yeah. he make, can he make extra points and can he make 30 <laughs> plus yard field goals when it's fourth and 10 plus? Right. Okay. Well, for what it's worth, he had one field goal attempt last season in that Western Carolina game, and he made it. It was from 46 yards, so it's a good start. All right. Let's talk about the offensive line. Uh, I got some audio from Brent Venables. He was asked just generally, you know, what he's seen from the offensive line from spring to now, and I cut up his, you know, his whole answer. And okay, I cut I cut out the first couple of seconds because he doesn't really say anything. He's kind of like filibustering coach speak. Like, this is a long answer. Just just anybody out there, it's like, oh, like, I listened to the full audio. You cut out the first couple of lines. The first couple of lines don't matter, okay? Like, it's just kind of, he says, oh, yeah, the, the group's great. They're coming together. Blah. Like, they don't matter. The part that I play first is the part that matters. And it's the whole answer. And so we'll listen to it, and then we'll comment on it. We feel like we've got nine guys um, that can play winning football, not just they can get in there in an emergency and, and put him on life support and he can get in somebody's way. I'm talking about guys that can execute and, and win the game for us. And uh, so we got five guys inside. We feel good about four tackles uh, without question. The two Jakes are a part of that. And uh, we like where they're at right now. Now, Wanye's playing his best football. Uh, and uh, Tyler Guyton has just been, he's been doing that since he's been here. And he's a tough guy who'll play through pain. That's what it's all about. And so we feel, we feel again, that's a group of guys that are playing with confidence. And we're still got plenty of things we got to continue to improve and show up every day with the right mindset. And our best players got to, got to show up every day and play at a really high level. But we feel we're, without question, better than where we were in the course of the spring. Some of that's with more understanding with some new guys and the freshmen that weren't here in the spring. The Jakes and McCade is really playing well. And having Rain back, you know, had a, uh, ankle sprain in the spring so it's been a it's been a strong point for us you know through fall camp so far okay so that's that's Brent Venables on the offensive line on Tuesday Grant I turn it over to you uh, what do you take away from that answer well I think obviously right everybody is is commenting that he, that he didn't mention Anton Harrison 
And you know, I saw your tweet yesterday too. And yeah, he, he very obviously does not mention Anton Harrison there at all. He doesn't mention Savion Bird either. Um, now that I actually listened to the audio instead of just reading the transcript, I'm I'm not too worried about that. I I, I still think Anton Harrison is probably st- is starting it at, at tackle. It's just like the the way that the answer went. It when he mentioned the two Jakes, I I. I there was like a pause in there. He thought a little bit before there. So like, I, I don't know. It would just be, it'd be very odd to me if, if, if Jake Taylor and Jake, <laughs> Jacob Sexton have, have passed Anton Harrison. That's, that's not right. That hasn't happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it'd be surprising, right? Um, you know, but you listen to it. I mean, he says like the way he references the two Jakes, like you said, Taylor and Sexton, he says, we feel good about four tackles, no question. And the very next sentence is, the two Jakes are part of that. We like where they're at right now. And then he goes into Wanye Moore. says, Wanye is playing his best football. Then there's a bit of a pause. He's thinking, and he says, and Tyler Guyton has been doing, like he, he, you have to see the video. He like points up, like he's been rising. He's been rising since he's been here is kind of what I took from it uh, because that's his motion. So to me, I, I took it as, those are the four tackles that are part of the nine offensive linemen who are playing winning football right now. Just the way he said it. Uh, I mean, again, like he literally said, we feel good about four tackles. No question. And the very next sentence was the two Jakes are part of that. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, also, uh, and, and like, and it's been, it's been reported by a lot of people who were at that scrimmage last Saturday. And there's a lot of people there. There's a bunch of former players there and they, they were free to talk about the scrimmage all they wanted. Jake Taylor was playing guard at the scrimmage last week. Yeah, and that's interesting, and and so I'm I'm not saying like don't get me wrong, I'm 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 just asking questions here. I'm I'm just you know, listening to what the coach said, taking him at his word. And For sure, yeah. I mean, this these down. are these are things like Brent Venable said these things, so we have to. I just I don't, and like I understand that Anton wasn't mentioned there. I just it's I I do not believe that that both of the Jakes, the freshmen, have you know, ha- have gone above Anton Harrison. I-, I don't think that's what's happening here. I think it was probably either he is just, he intentionally did not mention him in order to light a fire under him, which is something that happens at other programs. I don't know if it's ever been like reported. That definitely happens at OU, people talking about that. Like that's, that's an old sports trope trick or whatever. Um, or he just, just didn't think about it. Or he just, it, he just yeah, misspoke or didn't think about it, which is probably the most likely scenario. And here's the thing. I mean, we're, We've heard Brent Venables talk a lot since he's been the head coach. It's crazy. I mean, he's he's been the head coach now for eight plus months, eight eight and a half months, going clo- almost nine. Still hadn't coached a game yet, and so we haven't had a chance to really figure out like, what he says in the in the midst of a season. And now we're in training camp, and as far as I can tell, I mean, everything he said so far has been upfront and truthful. Like he hasn't held anything back. You know, like we look back and we know Lincoln Riley would hold things back and not necessarily be fully you know, truthful and forthcoming. And so uh, with that caveat, it's like, okay, like maybe we'll learn more and more that maybe Venables leaves some things out when he talks about certain players game. I don't know. Uh, I mean, just hearing what he said though, I, I, you know, I don't want to read anybody's mind, but like just going from those words and not including Anton Harrison to me, it sounds like at the very least Harrison's not guaranteed that starting left tackle job. Like, cause well, guaranteed, he was very yeah, adamant. I don't think anyone thinks it's guaranteed. I mean, we've, we've heard a lot about at Tyler At the very Guyton. least. Yeah, because it's just so interesting that he said, like, he didn't go in-depth on, on the five guys on the inside. He went in-depth on the four, like, he said four tackles, no question. And then he, 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 mentioned, he mentioned four guys. 
Sure, and, and I think it's. I, I just think it's possible it's that he misspoke. I, I, it's if 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 the two Jakes are playing tackle and they have and they've passed Anton Harrison, I, I don't think I, like, that's not very good. Anton Harrison was the best offensive lineman on the team last year. That's not that's not a very good thing. Man, I can't even remember. I can't even tell you who was the best or not. The, last year was kind of just like everybody was kind of just fine. Like I don't <laughs> like the best player for the most part, with the exception. Uh, I, I was gonna say Caleb Williams, but Caleb Williams had a lot of a lot of moments where he was down or he was inconsistent. So the, mo- the best uh, most I, the most yeah the best most consistent player in the team last season was Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. What about Nick Benito? He's pretty good. I thought Thomas was a little more consistent. So uh, here's the thing: all of this could be rendered moot the next time we talk to Brent Venables, and that I mean I would imagine that's going to be something that comes up. Unfortunately, none of us in the media scrum. We none of us asked a follow up question, and that's on me. You know, that's on all of us. You know, we. But to be more, even more transparent on the podcast, like I didn't even really think about Anton Harrison, the fact that he wasn't talked about in that answer until I listened back to the interview and I was logging everything and I, I did the math. I was like, oh, Anton Harrison, that's interesting. Uh, that, that's kind of when it hit me. And so I would guess that there's a lot of people in the OU beat media that was there that probably had the same thought. Like it just didn't didn't occur to them. Like it's kind of just one of those things where yeah, Anton Harrison, like that's the guy. And like we wouldn't no, your ex- tweet, expect him. Lee, your tweet yeah. yesterday turned heads. People were. I mean, there was there were other OU people who were quote tweeting it and commenting on it. It was a it was a thread on Sooner Scoop for sure. Um, I mean, there's it's that's like that was. Like, if that's the case, like, if Anton Harrison is not in the top four tackles on the team, that's major news. That's major fall camp news. Um, and I just, I, I don't believe it for a second. That's not right. It's it's just not. I just don't believe it. Well, this is where, I, I, of course, I didn't spend any time at all around the offensive line yesterday at practice. Uh, and it'd be great if I was, because then I could have had an idea. I could have seen where he was repping if he was with the ones, because... I was looking back at my video from last week's practices and Anton Harrison was repping with the ones uh, at, at the left tackle spot. So, I mean, as of, as of last week, he was there, at least in drills and stuff in practice, he was with the ones. So, again, I, I didn't watch the offensive line and you know, maybe, there's, maybe there's people out there that I'm sure there's plenty of people on the OU media that were around the offensive line on Tuesday that probably could comment and, and you know, tell you all where Anton Harrison was. I just, unfortunately, I can't do that because I wasn't watching the offensive line. I was, I was focusing on the wide receivers, the tight ends, and the quarterbacks on Tuesday because I realized I didn't have a whole lot of video of any, you know, any of those guys. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it's so, okay, so to kind of further the discussion, I, I was listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast. Uh, did you hear the most recent one when they talked about the scrimmage? Uh, yes, I did. So, I mean, that would have been the one that they released on Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. And so Gabe Eichert of note, Gabe Eichert said on the podcast, and I'm going to quote Gabe here. He said, quote, Anton Harrison is playing much better. They're still trying to get him to play with that dog mentality all the time. And he's not quite there yet, but they feel like he can get there and he can be a special player, end quote. And that's what Gabe Eichert's been hearing from his sources inside the program. And obviously his sources got to be really good. He's former player. He's around there. He works for the team. And so that would back up kind of what you're saying. Like, yeah, I don't believe it for a second. Harrison's still the guy. Uh, perhaps Britt Venables just left him out. Maybe he misspoke or just it was a, you know, a brain cramp or whatever. Uh, and also possibly what you said, uh, you know, about five minutes ago. Is it possible that 
Venables, Jeff Levy, Bill Bedenboe, they're trying to get his attention. Maybe they're lying a, you know, lighting a fire on him a little bit. You know, maybe they've tried certain things and, you know, Venables coming out and mentioning these other guys and said instead of Harrison is just a tactic to kind of get him to get that, you know, playing more with that dog mentality that Gabe, you know, mentioned on his podcast. Uh, it's all speculation, but maybe that is something that's going on as well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that definitely could be happening. Like, you could even persuade me, you could convince me that, that Guyton has taken a spot. I mean, we've heard, we've been hearing how great Guyton has been since the spring. It's just no way, no how that that, that Taylor and Sexton have, have passed Anton Harrison. That has not happened. There's just no way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I read it more of, I didn't read it as the, one of those guys has passed him. I read it more of like, man, these are two freshmen that, are way ahead of what freshmen normally are doing right now. And they clearly have turned heads. And so actually that's where I want to t- go to next. Let's move the conversation along. I mean, how good might the Jake, the two Jakes as Brent Venables called them, how good might these guys be? Like, I, I don't know a whole lot about either one of them, uh, but I do know that both of them immediately reaffirmed their commitments to Oklahoma after Lincoln Riley left for USC. Their size, both of them is, are, are awesome. I mean, Taylor's 6'6", 293, Sexton, 66308 and when you have two players like that in a recruiting class together is it the hope that you're going to get those two players as your starting tackles for two if not three years like I, I don't know I mean and maybe that could be in the cards if they're already impressing Brent Venables so uh yeah I mean I, I just I don't know if you have many thoughts on those guys but I mean isn't that kind of the idea right you you see how how big these guys are and how highly recruited they are like it'd be nice if they end up developing into your two starting tackles well of course of course that sounds great and you know jake taylor was one of my was was one of my favorite guys in this recruiting class um not only because he shares a name with a famous uh, movie character but i uh, you know yeah i mean it's always it's always good especially dudes on the offensive line when you hear such positive things as a freshman i just that's that's the one position group where i just i do not expect a lot of impact you know from a true freshman and if there is that's usually a really bad thing that, that usually means something has gone wrong. Like, University of Texas, they're about to have a bunch of true freshmen start on their offensive line this year. Their offensive line is going to really suck this year. It's going to be really bad. It'll probably be really good in two or three years, but that first year hey, when man. they're figuring it out, oh, man, it's, it's going to be atrociously terrible. Man, but what if? What if these guys are as good as Creed Humphrey was when he was... Creed Humphrey I mean, did not play as a true freshman. I know, I know, but Bill Biedenboe did say at Media Day a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, that yeah, he said Creed didn't play as a as a freshman, but Creed could have played. He's a guy that that he was ready. He, he could have played. Well, it's uh, a good thing they had they had Eric Wren that year, and they didn't need him. Yeah. Uh, very. By the way, that the you mentioned Jake Taylor. He's uh, got the same name as a famous movie character. Can, can we watch that movie still? Is that allowed? I don't know. What do you mean? Are we allowed to watch that movie and enjoy it? Of course, you can watch Major League. I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of things have changed. I don't know. Like when they talk about the team and everything. I don't know. I don't know. Whenever Just, I bring up Major League, that's always kind of everyone has has a pretty pretty high opinion of Major League. I feel like. I don't think you're you're not you're not picking up what I'm putting down. I know exactly you're not, what you're. you're I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I just I'm just not interested in it. Not not interested in where you're going with this conversation. <laughs> I just you know, just asking questions here. I just want to get to the bottom of things. Sometimes you know you never know. I mean. That's what we do here. We try to inform and ask questions, get to the bottom of different issues, whether they're about movies from, heck, 30 years ago, roughly, or whether they're much, the, much the longer new freshman about, about 35. Uh, about 35 well, years. Yeah, that was in the 80s. That was in the 80s, yeah. 
Major League Two came out, I think, what, 90, 91, somewhere in there? Doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, by the way, I will add, I, I did briefly talk to Jacob Sexton months ago whenever he signed. I was at a signing ceremony at Deer Creek. He's a local guy uh, here in Oklahoma City. And seems like a very nice kid. I wish him the best. And his family is very nice as well. So that's my uh, Jacob Sexton story. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> uh, one more thing on the offensive line. Who were the five guys on the inside that Venables talked about? Who would you think? I mean, I, Ooh, I have an to, idea of. I'm about to reel you, them off. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Matower. Yeah. Rame. That's what I think, too. Yeah. Murray. Okay. Those are the two gimmies. Conjo yeah. and Savion Bird. See, that's what I was wondering. So is, is, is Bird playing inside? Every, every kind of like sort of inside practice report is that, is that Bird is playing inside right now. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Because, yeah, I had those four, and I didn't know the, who the fifth was, but I wasn't sure where Bird was playing. Like Aaron Parks, I think, is a tackle. So I was wondering about him. Uh, but, yeah, I think you're right about those. I mean, he, I mean Venables mentioned Matower and Rame, so like those are two gimmies. And then obviously Chris Murray is a, a starter on that line. Uh, and then Conjol, you know, he's, he's a guy that's got a lot of experience. So, yeah, anyways, I think you're right. Uh, let's move on. So let's go over to the defense. And another interesting part of Venables' media availability is that he said that Billy Bowman may be playing better than anybody on defense if he had to single one person out right now. Oh, that's what we like to hear, baby. That's what <laughs> we like to hear. Uh, Venables added that uh, why, you know, why Bowman's been the best. He said that, he hasn't had as many, quote, dips as everybody else. Like he said, Bowman, sure, he's made mistakes like everybody else on the team, uh, but it just sounds like Bowman has been a lot more steady on defense than anybody else. And here's the thing. If Billy Bowman is starting at safety, which we kind of assume he is, along with Key Lawrence, those guys seem like they're pretty much locked in. If Bowman starts and he plays well, and Justin Broyles is not a starting player in the secondary to start this season, it's going to make last season's decision of not giving Bowman a chance to win back that starting nickel job look even more bizarre and even more bad. Because instead of putting Bowman back at nickel when he got healthy a year ago, they left Justin Broyles there because, you know, he was, he was doing fine. And remember, they moved Bowman over to corner and immediately he was terrible he got burned he just he looked uncomfortable he and then he got benched again so again like Billy Bowman was a guy we were all high on going into 2021 he was the starting nickel and then he got banged up and then seemingly because of injury he lost his job to Justin Broyles a veteran player and then it was all downhill from there so I just I'm super intrigued by Bowman obviously a year under his belt he has more experience but he's a lot more comfortable now they've kept him at safety and they're not going to move him. And things are going well, Grant. What do you think? You know, he's also a guy, too, that you just kind of see the physical development that he's made. And I'm, I'm not the first person who has made this point. But you can definitely see the physical maturity. Like, when you, like when you, you see him at practice and, like, the videos and the pictures and stuff like that, it, the, guy, the guy looks like a stud. I mean, that, like, his body type, the way that he fills out his uniform, and I know, like, whatever. But he just, he's, he, he looks like the type. Does he not? I mean, it's just no. He does, yeah. And and you know, he he flashed at times last year too. He most mostly flashes athleticism. He didn't finish a lot of the plays where he flashed last year. I, I'm yeah. I think that that interception that he should have had against Nebraska is kind of one of my first one of my first thoughts there. Um, but I, I mean, yeah. If if Billy Bowman is starting at safety and he's one of the best players on the defense this year, oh man, that's a really good sign. Really, I mean, that's yeah, great. If 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 Billy Bowman, if 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 a safety 
if a starting safety is one of the best players on their defense this upcoming year, man, that is great. That is just wonderful for this defense. Would that say anything about the fact that the previous defensive coordinator's position group was the safeties? And I don't think we could. I mean, hey, there's, I a the of, Turner, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. Turner, we, we've nice talked player. about this privately. There's a lot of stuff that could happen in the next two months that, frankly, make the previous coaching staff look like they don't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah, I mean, that's the best case scenario for all of us and the worst case scenario for everybody out on the West Coast. I mean, like, what are the, like, I mean, just some of the different players. I mean, we're, we're talking about defense now, just like Billy Bowman, Key Lawrence. I mean, just the amount, David Aguebu. I, mean, I mean, Key came on. Key was fine. I mean, I, I thought he started to, I don't, I don't know if he would be a guy that I'd throw in there because. Yeah, but he was playing, they, they, he played, yeah, he came on playing corner while, yeah, you know, while, true. while, you know, DTY was hurt the entire season. Pat Fields was limited at safety and he was good in run support and everything last year too, but. But yeah, I mean they they were very very shallow at the safety position last season. Yeah. Um. And honestly, they weren't super shallow at the cornerback position last season. They had a lot of bodies at that position. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Key Bowman, uh, Harrington, another one you mentioned last week, right? Yeah, Harrington's the big one. I, I guess I don't know. I mean, you just go listen to. Um. I I, I don't know if he talked to, if if BV talked about it in his press conference. But yeah, you just go listen to the last Gabe and Teddy podcast too. Uh, Justin Har- the Justin Harrington season it may be coming. Like it's be he, he may he may be a guy that we see a lot this year. Boy, yeah, and I think he's uh, I think he's been working at nickel. nickel. I want to say nickel. So I mean that's that's exactly. I mean that is a, a is, big is, body that, is that not like what that? every single OU fan last season in the off season was like? Pen- <laughs> Excuse me, pencil that guy into that position. That is so obviously the position for that guy. Yeah, you know what? And that would make me feel a lot. If he's a starting nickel, I mean, that's, you know, big-bodied guy. What does he go, 6'2", 6'3"? It's like 6'3", you know, two, 220. I think that would make me feel pretty good whenever, <laughs> years and years and years ago, I was super excited, and I was convinced that Robert Barnes should have played nickel. Because <laughs> I, I wanted a bigger body guy. <laughs> and that never happened. Robert was Barnes was kind of like, was sort of st- he didn't move very well though. he was stiff i know i know whereas like know. harrington does kind of look more like a like a rangy lengthy skinnier guy but my point though is that it would the three years of evidence we have of alex grinch is that his nickels he like he didn't want big dudes he like he had buki there he had little guys justin broils uh, he wasn't interested in guys that could come up really and and play in the box and and I don't know. I mean, I, not not to say that I guess Broyles and Buki could do that here and there, but they're not physically imposing guys for the most part um, that could play like an extra linebacker type role. Like, I mean, that's what the nickel is, right? It's it's a Sam backer, but it's a you know hybrid defensive back in a way. So yeah, but you maybe know, some Venables of the has more of that in his, in his DNA. Just sort of the speed in which this thing has turned, where people have just kind of started to talk about Harrington really since fall camp started, and so that leads me to believe that it it may it like it could be obvious. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, God, yeah, we, this guy has got to play. And that's what I'm hoping. I mean, fingers are crossed. All right, so more on the defensive backs. I'm going to put this out there for you. Like, we have a ton of optimism about the defense, and we don't have any sort of negative anything to look back on about these current players on the roster in a Brent Venables defense. I look at all these defensive backs on the roster, and almost every single one of them makes me kind of go, hmm, okay. I kind of want to see if that guy can play or I'll think, oh man, 
I think this guy could be pretty good if he gets a shot. And you look at all the names. I mean, okay, the, the obvious kind of ones, C.J. Colden, tons of experience in college. It's my guy. He's a redshirt senior. That's my guy. That's your guy. Like, why would he come to Oklahoma if he didn't think he could play? So that's one of them. Kanai Walker. Haven't heard much about him in the, in the fall. Like, there's a lot of buzz about him in the spring. But he's got that size that we all like. He's a blue chipper. A lot of schools wanted him. Uh, what's the deal with Trey Morrison, the North Carolina transfer? Haven't heard anything about him. Uh, going back to the spring now, ton of college experience. He had 44 starts at North Carolina. But I, I haven't seen – like, I've seen him working out with the safeties. Uh, so that's one – I don't know about him. Uh, but then you got some of the guys that have been in the program. You got Jaden Davis, Josh Eaton, Bryson Washington, Kendall Dennis. Like, has this new coaching staff brought out the best in any of these guys? We had a little bit of a, uh, a look into the, how Brent Venables feels about Josh Eaton when he talked about him at Big 12 Media Days. And then what about the freshman? Gentry Williams is a guy, highly recruited, blue chipper out of Tulsa, who he was featured on Oklahoma's Twitter today. He was mic'd up at practice you saw Jay Valai complimenting him, saying some really nice things about him, about how he's always just, yes, coach, no coach, you know, whatever you need. He's just, he's out there getting things done. And then another freshman, Jaden Rowe, I believe you mentioned that you like his size. You kind of want to see what he turns yeah, into. The, and then another, yeah, him and yeah. him and Canick are my, my, my top two guys in the class. Okay. And then finally, and then you got Robert Spears Jennings, another Tulsa guy. He's got some good size as well. So I, mean, I look at all these names, and again, like we don't have any sort of evidence in the past of, of uh, players in this defense just not panning out. So it makes me optimistic, and, I, and I'm thinking, man, is this finally going to be the year since we've done this podcast where we're all excited about the secondary in the preseason and the depth and all these bodies there, and in about four or five months from now, we're not feeling like complete morons at the end of the year because it didn't turn out that way. Is this going to be the year finally? It might. It might. I think there's enough there right now and what we know about just sort of the history of college football and what makes a good defense. Lee, I mean, I, you know, Bill Connolly has been saying this with his SP plus numbers a long time, that the number one indicator of a good defense from year to year is experience in the secondary. Um, the OU's got a ton of guys in that, in that secondary room who have played a lot of football and have just, have just been in college football for a long time. So I think there's enough there right now in the preseason. There's enough there right now where I think it's totally reasonable to, to say, I, I think OU secondary is really going to surprise some people this year. There, there's enough there to, to say that OU secondary could be really, really good this year because of just all of the experience they have in that room. Like you said, Trey Morrison, the guy has 44 starts in his career. I don't even know if he's going to start a single game this year for OU. Um <laughs> That's I mean, that's a big deal. C.J. Colden coming in, his name hasn't really been popped has been popping up at all. Really, he's I, he, he led Wyoming's defense, which was a good you know group of five defense last year. He led them in snaps a season ago. Played the played the most snaps of anyone on that defense. Uh, so I mean, you could you could I mean that Wyoming coaching staff thought that he was one of their best players last year. OU's got him now. Got Kenai Walker, who we haven't heard a lot of. Josh Eaton, who has has been kind of talked up a little bit in the offseason and has honestly has has flashed a handful of times in his career, his athleticism and his length and everything. Um, yeah. I mean, the the amount of competition in that room, if if the guys have their heads on right in that room and they're really embracing the competition and they're just trying to get better every single day, man, that their secondary could be real good this year. And if you add in maybe a guy like Justin Harrington emerging. And maybe putting together his physical ability. Yeah, I mean that's 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 what you that's what you want to see. And I, I mean, 
I think I the way that the way that Venables and his staff has kind of put this defense together, not not necessarily on the fly because there's a lot of dudes still here that that were recruited by the previous staff, but they loaded up on a ton of defensive transfers, and I think that's it's it's going to pay massive dividends for them, just just on, just in the sense of just how you know how competitive their practices are going to be, like C.J. Colden, Trey Morrison, those are guys who have like this is like their fifth season in college football. Those guys are going to have to scratch and claw to even get snaps. Yeah, and, and by the way, when I was listing off all of those names, I uh, on purpose left out the presumed starters. I mean, obviously, you got Woody Washington and DJ Graham that I didn't even mention. Uh, so, and then obviously the, the two, you know, we talked about Billy Bowman and Key Lawrence. So, but also, just, yeah, it's exciting. But also, right, like, I, I think, you know, I, I want to have a lot of bodies on defense because if, you know, if Jeff Lebby is going to be allowed to run the offense the way that he wants to run it, OU's defense is going gonna, is gonna to be defending a lot of snaps this year. Yeah. Um, and it's and sure. like, hey, I'm and I hope that they're defending a lot of snaps being ahead a lot of the time, which means you probably need a lot of bodies in the secondary rotating in and out. All right. Over to the linebackers, by the way. Are you still there? You're kind of going in and out. I'm still here. OK, good. Yeah, that's great podcasting. Uh, uh, fix that in post or not. I don't know. Depends on if I care. Uh, let's go to the linebackers. Uh, I mentioned at the start TD roof. He's out. Uh, you know, I. I still never got a good feel on where he was on the presumed depth chart. Like I suppose he was in line to play a healthy amount just because he has a ton of college experience and maybe he's got more insight into this new defensive scheme because of his dad. Uh, but uh, Venable said that you know, he fears that his, his biceps injury is season ending. So uh, he's gone. He's, he's don't expect TD roof to play. And Venable said on Tuesday that the linebacker room is not real deep right now. So I was thinking about it, you know, we've touched on this a little bit throughout the offseason. And he said versions of this before, but like when you look at Oklahoma's experience, like the amount of starts and snaps they have, I mean, David Oguebu's there, Deshaun White, uh, Shane Witter, and to some extent, you got Danny Stutzman, who's played a lot of college snaps. And so I'd expect Oguebu, Stutzman, and White to get a lot of run this year. Haven't heard a whole lot on Witter, so we'll see where he's, you know, he, he shapes up or he, he, or he, you know, where he fits in, but it's going to be a race. It's going to be interesting. I mean, to see how fast these other guys on the roster and the linebacker room can catch on. You got Jake McCoy and you got Joseph Wete, a couple of names who've been in the program for a long time. Like, is the light going to come on from the, uh, for them this year? And then you throw in the three freshmen that to some extent, all of them were kind of excited about mainly Jaron Canick, and you got Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie. What do we make of those guys? And so the linebacker group is it's it's important because Brent Venables is telling us it's important because he wants it to be the heart and soul of this, this not just the defense but the team. And this position group it would seem probably has the least amount of depth on the defense. So it's a good thing that Brent Venables is the guy that's in charge of this group, right? I mean, at least the head coach has all this experience, is one of the best defensive minds in college football. At least. He's the guy that's going to be shaping up this group that is is low on depth and I mean has some experienced guys, but not in this defense, Grant. Yeah, I mean they really they really only got four guys right now. I mean they got they got Igwebu, White, Stutzman, and Witter. I mean that's that's about it. Um, unless you want to unless you want to add in like I, I just I I don't think Kobe McKenzie or Kip Lewis or any of those guys are going to play this year. I think Jaron Canick probably will. Um, but I, you know, 
pray for health in that position group. That that the roof getting getting injured that sucks. That that's a, that's actually a pretty big blow. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't think he was going to be a starter this year, but I, I do think that he was going to play quite a bit and he was going to bring yeah. playmaking ability. And he's really, I mean, what he is, is he's a Curtis Bolton type. He's basically like Curtis Bolton. Um, and it would have been he's wearing the same number as Curtis. Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> would it would have been nice. Like, don't you think in 2018, wouldn't it have been nice for OU's defense to be good enough for Curtis Bolton to come off the bench and just be a guy to just like run around with his hair on fire and they didn't have to rely on him to be the best player on the defense. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this, this, this hurts, especially when you got, you know, we, we all think, I think we all think Stutzman is probably the most talented in that linebacker group, but then you got Igwebu and you got White, who are both really experienced guys, but I can't sit here with a straight face and say those guys have been consistent their careers. We're just sort of kind of, you know, hoping that they put it all together here in their fourth, you know, fourth and fifth years of being in college football, but those have been inconsistent guys. I know Agwebu has been talked up quite a bit. I know uh, Brent Venables likes him a lot. Uh, and the fact that he's dropped all that weight and he'll be able to move a lot better. And he's within, you know, he's within this new scheme and he's around Brent Venables and Ted Roof uh, coaching him up in that position room. It makes me very hopeful that Agwebu is going to play really well. And maybe this is going to be what we were hoping for him last year whenever he had such a great ending to the 2020 season. And he was ready to break out in 2021 and then for the most part just disappeared last season. Maybe this is going to be this will be finally his kind of coming out party. I mean, that's what he's all you know, that's what he's hoping for. That's what you know he's been working for. And so, I mean, Ogwebu and then I know I heard uh, uh, Gabe and Teddy, Teddy talking about how Deshaun White sounds like he's playing more outside, not necessarily inside. And he's, he's been playing at multiple positions, but maybe. Deshaun White will be more comfortable out there and he'll be somebody that can make more plays in a different position than he's been used to playing in college. I mean, this is all just we're hoping for the best. Obviously, we don't have any evidence yet of it, but you know, they have so much experience that at least the game for Aguebu and Deshaun White, you think has slowed down considerably and that even though they're going to be in a new system for White, a new position in a lot of ways. I mean, and obviously Aguebu too in a new in a new system maybe the same type position, but he's going to be doing different things, probably looking for different things. Hopefully with the game slowing down for them, it'll make it more probable that they can jump into this new scheme and play really well and carry this, this defense. And like you said, pray for health because those are two guys that are going to need to be really good. And then obviously you throw Stutzman in there too. He's going to need to be really good as well. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, how I'd like to see it. I, I'd really like to see, you know, Stutzman and Iguaybu start on the inside on game one um, with, you know, with with Deshaun White maybe playing kind of that that Sam linebacker role, sort of like Keenan Clayton used to play. Um, you know, being subbed off for the nickel. You know, when they have to. I you know, that that's what I'm hoping that we see. I think that would pair really nicely with a uh, with a potential secondary of you know of of Lawrence Bowman, Woody, whoever start in the opposite corner, and then Justin Harrington at, at nickel. I mean, I man, you start talking about that, you start th- you're basically talking about just dream scenario, and um. Gosh, we'll see. I mean, things the the way that things are playing out, thing, things are looking pretty good. But like you said, just man, keep the fingers crossed for health because that. I mean, that that's one thing that we haven't really talked a lot about. That you can kind of you can sort of you know pencil that in in the season. They're they're going to struggle with injuries at some point in time this year. I just hope it's at a place where they can afford it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's turn our attention back over to the offense. Talk running backs. Marcus Major. He's playing his best football since he's been in Oklahoma. That's what Brent Venable said. He said DeMarco Murray would confirm that. Uh, Never heard that Eric before. Weird. 
Uh, I, I sense some skepticism in this. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's, I, I think it's completely irrational to not be skeptical of anything that comes out about Marcus Major. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, so, I mean, Eric Gray is the main guy. I mean, he's the bell cow. He's going to be the guy that's hitting the first touches. But in Jeff Lebby's offense, there's a ton of running back touches to go around. And so it's an open competition behind Eric Gray. And, you know, Marcus Major has as good a shot as anybody, at least if he you know, puts his mind to it. And so just to back up what I just said about Lebby's offense, I went back and looked at uh, his three offenses that he coordinated. 2019 UCF, four different running backs got 87 carries or more. Four. Uh, 2020 at Ole Miss, it was mostly two guys who got the bulk. Uh, one guy got 147 carries. The other guy got 93. And the third running back had 56. So, I mean, that's a healthy amount. So, it was a, you know, three players got the bulk of work in 2020. And then last year was insane at Ole Miss. Grant, three backs at Ole Miss last year had 100-plus carries. <laughs> uh, and two of them had 130 or more. So there's going to be a lot of, I mean, based off of his past, there's going to be a lot of carries to go around. And so outside of Eric Gray, who's going to get him? Uh, and Marcus Major is one of those guys that's going to hope, you know, hopes he gets one. And so I'm, I'm with you, though. I mean, with Marcus Major, I'm going to have to see it with my own eyes to believe it. Like, he wasn't available in the spring game. That's when we saw Tawi Walker steal the show as kind of that unknown running back that caught everyone's attention out of nowhere. And Javante Barnes to some extent, was good, but he didn't have a whole lot of running room, so there's still you know, stuff to learn on him. Uh, and speaking of Barnes, talked about last week how he was off to the side working, and also Bentavious Thompson, the UCF transfer, they're back working with the running backs in a group, so uh, sounds like they're good to go. So the whole running back room is kind of there, Grant, and you know, who's going to be that guy, those guys behind Eric Gray, and that's going to be the question we're going to you know, hopefully get answered in week one. Yes, me. I, I running backs is is the biggest question mark on the team. I, I think it's it's by far it has the least answers of any of the of any of the position groups. Um, you know, I, I like Eric Gray, but I have no idea if he can be a guy who can kind of carry the show. Even though I know in Lebby's offense, they don't necessarily rely on on a, on a singular person to carry the show. Yeah, I mean, if Marcus Major can keep his nose clean, I mean, it looks like he's he's definitely going to be in line to get some carries. Um, I, I guess I'm the type of person who thinks that. You know, season, like if yeah, I mean, if there's going to be a bunch of dudes who get a lot of carries, I, it's hard for me to envision Bentavious Thompson not being one of those guys, um, just yeah. because he's done it before. Um, he's run for over 600 yards and like over seven yards a carry in a real college football season in this offense before. Um, so I, you know, I think he's probably going to have a role at some point in time. We'll see. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of carries to go around. They run the ball a ton. That, that's that's what this offense essentially is. Go as fast as you possibly can. Run up the middle. All right, let's go back over to the defense. We're just you know, back and forth, back and forth. Offense, defense, offense, defense. So last week, uh, the big on-field news that come out of Brent Venables' press conference was that Jalen Redmond had a minor concussion. So uh, the first time we had a chance since that press conference to go to practice was Tuesday, yesterday, the 16th. And so I was looking out for Jalen Redmond, and I did see that he was fully dressed at Tuesday's practice, but uh, I looked across the field. I, the defensive linemen were way across the field, uh, that group with Todd Bates. I looked across. I saw Redmond fully dressed, but he had his helmet off, and it looked like he was not going through drills. And so I would imagine that 
you know, I, you know, I was only there for 40 minutes. I wasn't there for the full practice, but I can't imagine he, you know, when we left, he jumped in and started working out. So uh, it would appear that they're still kind of taking it slow with Jalen Redmond, but at least good news is that he was fully dressed, uh, just wasn't kind of going through things. And unfortunately, Redmond was not asked about in the Brent Venables media session. So just a quick Jalen Redmond update. Uh, I got nothing else on Jalen Redmond or anything else. Uh, if, if you do, feel free to chime in. No, I mean, I mean we're just kind of wait and see on him. If he's, if he's out dressed fully, that's, that's still good news. I mean, it'd be really bad if he just wasn't there. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, yeah, I take, I take their word at it. He's probably got a mild concussion, and you hope, you hope that that's not you know, a sign of things to come this year for him, as you know, sometimes mild concussions can be. So I, 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 just, I really hope that's not something that he's dealing with all year. All right, let's go to the West of Everest Facebook page. And there's a few comments, some questions on there uh, from the last few days. And so I'm going to start a couple of days ago. I uh, posted about a minute, a little more than a minute of Brent Venables just working with the linebackers because I know that you know, guys like seeing Brent Venables get hands-on working with the guys. And so, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I probably take for granted because I get to go and, and watch it. Uh, but you guys don't. So I was like, all right, I'll just I'll, I'll throw some stuff on there and, and so you guys can watch. And it's, you know, it's, it's raw. It's like you're there. So I put that up there and we had one person comment on it. Uh, not necessarily on the video, but uh, Hunter commented and said, I know everyone is trying to be cautious, but I'm bought in on the hype. Outside of what I'm sure will be some hiccups in early games, I think Oklahoma is about to hit the ground running and will be in a dead sprint by the year end. Not saying OU is going to win a national championship, but I believe they'll be competing for a legitimate spot in the playoff. That's from Hunter on the West of Everest Facebook page. Uh, you know, it's that time of year, right, Grant, where people buy in. Like, everybody has you know positive outlook on their team because nobody's played a game yet. Everybody's looking good in camp, you know. Uh, but Hunter has some legitimate reasons why uh, he he should be excited because you and I are too. Uh, I mean. I think I joked a couple of podcasts ago that eventually I'll probably talk myself into Oklahoma being a playoff contender. Not quite there yet, but uh, you know, let's see a couple games first. But nothing wrong with that, Hunter. It's nothing wrong with with having that excitement and hype. And uh, you know, there's a lot of evidence again to back up why you're feeling the way you feel, Grant. What do you think? No, I mean I'm right there. I'm 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 pretty close to being all in. I, I you know, I'm I'm excited, obviously, um, just about just all of the, like I said last week, just the competence that has been coming out of the program. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I look at their roster. They got a lot of really good football players on their team. Um, and I look around the, the rest of the country and OU has more answers on their, on their team than a lot of other teams do. I, I think, I think OU has more answers currently on their roster than really anyone outside of kind of like what the top four is right now. You know, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. I think, <laughs> I think OU is, 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 is right there on the outside of that going into the season all right more comments from the west of everest facebook page thank you to you all for dropping uh dropping a line and, and interacting with us we really appreciate it we'll start uh, or no next up sorry uh next up is hayden hayden says oh actually no hayden's just saying nice things about us thanks hayden i appreciate it uh, i i don't want to read it on the air but uh you guys can see it on the west of everest facebook page hayden says some nice words about the podcast Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Uh, over to Ben. Ben says, has there ever been this much anticipation around the start of a season? I'm more excited for Oklahoma football than I can ever remember. <laughs> Funny how that works, right? I mean, 
eight and a half months ago, it was, okay, what's going on here? What's going to happen? Uh, Lincoln Riley leaves, and yeah, uh, a lot of un- uncertainty is the right word. And could it go any other way, though, Grant, that by the time we get to a couple weeks before the season starts that people are bought in and excited? Uh, but actually, I take that back. Uh, no, it, it definitely could have gone a different way. Uh, everything that has happened since then, as we have documented over and over and over again on the podcast, has been really good. And so, I, in, a, in a way, Ben, I share your anticipation. And it's a lot of just the newness and the like we don't know what's going to happen like if Lincoln Riley was still the head coach we'd all have a pretty good idea probably what's going to happen this year right uh with Brent Venables now it's we all hope for super positive awesomeness (laughs) but we don't know and we got to wait and see so I think that goes into the anticipation is just uh the uncertainty of the season but the cautious optimism and the excitement is there now I'm starting to kind of just ramble but uh Grant, uh, help me out. Fill me in. What, like, what am I missing? No, I mean, I think it's interesting to kind of juxtapose how we feel now compared to last summer where, hey, <laughs> the fans felt really great last summer. Seems secretly, internally, the team didn't really feel great going into last season. <laughs> uh, but the fans are really excited going into last year just because, you know, of the hype and, and everything sort of surrounding that. So, I don't, you know, yeah, I it's it's exciting. I don't really know how else to say it other than that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for football to start. Obviously, I were, I, I, I had something profound that I was going to say, but it's gone. It must not have been that important. No, uh, maybe you'll find it. So, like, I'm trying not to live in the moment because I, I do want to say that I'm, I'm super excited for the season to begin. But looking back, I mean, I'm always excited. I mean, I, I think back to 2017, the first year we started this podcast. I mean, I was pumped for that season because I think a big reason was, you know, I was. It was my first full year working at News 9 in Oklahoma City. First full football season upcoming. Baker Mayfield uh, was the starting quarterback. First year of Lincoln Riley. I was super excited about the change there because as much as we love Bob Stoops, I like the idea of, of you know just new, like some new blood in there. Maybe that was you know what's been lacking. And Oklahoma goes all the way to the playoff and uh, should have won the Rose Bowl. Should have been in the national title game. Uh, so, I mean, I was super pumped for that. And so... On top of that, the following year for 2018, I was super pumped for Kyler Murray's first year and only year. Uh, you know, what could they do? You know, being so close in 2017. And so every year, I mean, there was reason for me to be so excited. 2019, all right. Jalen Hurts is coming in. What's this team going to be? A new defensive coordinator. That was exciting. Like the defense has been so bad. Now maybe the defense will be a lot better and the offense should be really good again. Here we go. And the first part of that year was incredible. I mean, before the Kansas State game in 2019, we were thinking, oh, my gosh, this team can win a national championship. And, well, that didn't play out. And then 2020, yeah, I mean, the excitement of 2020 was like, thank God there's a football season. Thank God they're playing. You know, we got Spencer Rattler. That's exciting. And then we get to 2021, as a summer ago, as you mentioned, and that was the year we were all pointing to, right? It's all, everything was aligning. Second year starting quarterback. Heisman contender, third year in an Alex Grinch defense, a lot of returners. The defense was really good at the end of 2020. And then we got what we got in 2021. So I'm not going to say I'm the most excited ever for a football season, but I mean, I'm just as excited as the previous ones. And with the newness of Brent Venables and the defense hopefully being better. And now we got a new offensive system, which I've, you know, I've, I've seen Jeff Levy's system at Ole Miss. I've seen you know, the tapes, some highlights and stuff like that. But 
I really haven't seen a full game of it. I'm curious. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued. Let's go. Let's go. Did you think of your profound thing? Yeah, if I, yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to, again, say that the 2021 Sooners, that's by by far my least favorite OU team of all time. Um, just like, it's, it's, it's not even close. I mean, by far my least favorite team. And so I just like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward just to just kind of getting that bad taste out of my mouth. I can't even imagine. I, I, I think going into this season, if Lincoln Riley was still the head coach, um, this, this season would be kind of one of, one of the least anticipated probably ever, because I think there would have been a, a ton of roster turnover. We definitely wouldn't have gotten any sort of rhetorical answers from Riley about what illed the program the year before in the off season. He just would have been like, Oh, well, whatever. We're close. <laughs> Fart noise. <laughs> and also, I mean, year four of Alex Grinch, uh, the defense was so inconsistent in 2021. Oh, like we'd be talking, can they finally figure it out? Like what, like why did they take such a huge step back last year? They were so good in 2020. Surely they're going to be better. And I'm really happy. We're not having those conversations. Those sound so boring. So it, just, it wasn't so fun to watch that. Like I'm just there. Lincoln Riley's last team at OU was extremely not fun to watch. Oof. They did not look like they had any fun ever when they were playing. Like they, they were terrible situationally. They reflected the attitude of their head coach. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Last comment we have, and I will say I'll preface this with, I'm not so sure we'll have a whole lot of answers for, for this, but we'll give it a shot. So Justin, Longtime listener, Justin says, can you guys give more details on the tailgating news that came out today on Wednesday? Some people say nothing is really changing and others are saying it is a terrible look and horrible. Just trying to better understand what is going on with everything in the tailgating world. And so, well, first off, I know you kind of you, you work today, Grant. You're probably busy. Did you even no, see any of this? news? Yep, I got it. I know what he's talking about. OK, just want to double check. I mean, I did some some research. I kind of looked into it before the show. I'll be honest. I'm not an expert on on the tailgating at, o, at OU. I I work in the media, so I don't ever get a chance to do it. <laughs> I never get a chance to really uh, like. I, I've never you know, reserved stuff. I don't know how it really works anymore at Oklahoma. I know years ago, like how it was back whenever you could do it on Lindsay Street. I you know people kind of just it was first come first serve, I believe, and you just showed up and you put your down your stakes the day before. Uh, so now I guess the the new news is that there's more. I don't know if there's more or if, the, if this is new with private private tailgating. You can, like, reserve areas, and I guess there's some kind of around Lindsay Street, but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know how different this is from the way it's been the last few years and now. Do you have any sort of insight in this? Uh, from what I understand, the only way that it's different is that you can. like you. you I, I think they have expanded some areas where you can tailgate. I don't know if they're if they're by Lindsay or anything. I think they're more over by like the field house and near to the stadium. Um, and I think you can rever- there's there's different like uh, you know reserving type software that you can do or go online to reserve stuff and stuff. Now the reason why people are upset is because they expected people to say yeah you can tailgate on Lindsay again. Um, and it's I like hey they they clearly got rid of tailgating on Lindsay for a reason. Um, I don't care what the reason is. They need to fix it. Period. Yeah, I agree. It's and it's not it's it's not it's not acceptable. Period. I, I don't I don't care what the reasoning was. Figure it out. It's like I <laughs> so and looking- I, I said it on this podcast. I went to I went to my first home OU game since since after they got rid of you know tailgating on Lindsay Street, and I think that happened prior to the the 2014 or 2015 season. Um, I went to I went to that game that my first OU home game that was against TCU last year, and I I it was hard not to see how much 
no tailgating on Lindsay absolutely destroys the atmosphere around the stadium. It's, I mean, it's yeah. a massive problem. Big, big, big problem. Okay, so I'm looking at this new map that's part of this news release by Oklahoma. So they gave a map with all of these designated areas where you can tailgate. And if I'm reading this correctly, I'm pretty sure that there is going to be tailgating on Lindsay Street this upcoming season. It's just, it's, you have to, it's like private. It's going to cost you. And I'm looking at it right now. So it's, it's right in front of where the, uh, right across the street from like the main football offices, like where all the statues are, like the Bob Stoop statue and all the other statues, uh, right across on the other side of the street. If I'm reading this map right, it looks like there's going to be tailgating. It's just going to be private tailgating that you have to, uh, you know, preserve. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that'll look different. Maybe it'll, it'll feel different this year. I guess now that uh, I think about it too, on? they don't, uh, cause that giant parking lot's not there anymore. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that's, that's probably so why I mean, they, they probably shut it all down because w- when they were building Headington and all that stuff, now that I think about it, that's why I always thought, I, I thought they had just, I thought that was kind of assumed, or I don't know if that was officially announced or not, because you walk around there, it's, there's, there's, yeah, that giant parking lot that used to be there that's now a giant building it's just there's not as much space uh but yeah you're it, it lindsey street tailgating needs to be a thing and it makes me think back to and i i've already forgotten the the name i mean we remember back in the spring when oklahoma hired the events guy that used to work for the vegas golden knights uh i'm curious what like what his role is. I mean, does he have any sort of say on any of that? You know, I think he's more stadium uh, thing. I think, I, I think it's, I, yeah. I would see that the, the, in terms of tailgating on Lindsay street, that's all Harris, Harris and Josie and Thad maybe. Ooh, okay. Well, I mean, Thad knows what he's doing maybe, but mostly, but mostly Harris and Josie. And like, that's, mm-hmm. I guess now they think about, it, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure in their head, they're thinking it's a, it's a, it's a terrible logistical concern. Because the Huff parking lot is not there anymore, the giant one, which is where everyone would have, you know, set up. But also, I, I'm sorry, like to me, that just sounds like a, an opportunity for a creative solution. Well, we'll see. I'm interested th- to see what it looks like this season. Because again, I'm looking at this map, and you all, it's, I mean, Oklahoma put out a release. They have a link to this map. You go down, you look at it. Uh, there's, it looks like they have. It's again, it's private tailgating, so it's not public. Uh, the public tailgating, I, don't, I think that, that may have been expanded, but may, it's like way away from the stadium. You know, you can all these different places away from the stadium. So it's a, it's on Lindsay Street and then also a little bit on Jenkins, I want to say. I think that's Jenkins that's uh, going south on Jenkins, kind of by uh, if you're going towards the softball fields. I'm pretty sure that's Jenkins. Uh, there's a little bit there as well. Also private. So I'm kind of curious to see if, if it feels and looks any different. Uh, yeah, I, got, I mean, game one. that end of the stadium, though, on game day is dead. It's dead. And it's, and it's odd. It feels weird like that. I mean, it does. I mean, it kills it. It, it kills. I'm not going to say it kills the fun. But yeah, when you're walking through that stretch on game day, it doesn't really feel like you're there on a game day. Well, they're going to have to figure it out. I, I know uh, Eddie Radosovich had a whole thing on Lindsay Street. and They're selling shirts at Sooner Scoop and. You know, a big part of it is, hey, they're going to the SEC. They got to figure this out. They got to make the game day experience Just better. Figure well, it out. He's right. Figure it out. Eddie's right. The game day experience needs to be better, especially if you're going to. Uh, I mean, in general, I mean, even if they weren't going to the SEC, it needs to be better. But uh, you want to compete. You want to. You know, you want people from out of town coming to Norman. You don't want them bad mouthing Norman's game day experience. The game man. day experience is bad. It is bad. I, I you know, 
I went to a game at Kansas State last season, and their their game day experience kicks the crap out of OU's. I went to a game at <laughs> Iowa. There's there's kicks the crap out of Kansas State's, and obviously OU's too. I mean, it's it it needs to get a lot better. All right, that's all the comments on the Facebook page. I think we've ran out of uh, ran out of content for this episode. Anything else? On, I guess uh, I mean we could bring up. Uh, hey, did you, did you see that I, I totally called Jacoby Johnson going to OU Grant? <laughs> that was all me. Totally nailed that one. Nice one. <laughs> well done. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I was at that uh, his event last Saturday. Picks OU. That's a good get for the Sooners. Oh, and then uh, the, I suppose, I mean, we're not a recruiting podcast, but it is worth note that the uh, Oklahoma now has a second five-star, composite five-star in their class. Uh, a guy that you mentioned a couple episodes ago might get that fifth star, and I'm I I can't say his last name. I it's 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 just it's PJ Adabore. Oh gosh, <laughs> Adabore, Adabore, Adabore. Well, anyways, yeah, he's got a fifth star on three. Gave him a fifth star uh, on the two four seven composite. He is now a composite five star, just like Jackson Arnold. So that's great, and I'm still. I'm still holding out hope for David Hicks, the number one defensive lineman. Uh, I've heard positive things about that, but I mean, I don't know. I guess now that time has gone by, I'm 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 a little more skeptical. But I mean, heck, they get a third five star, and they're not all wide receivers or quarterbacks. I don't think he's. I think he's been telling people that he's not committing until the first signing day, anyway. So that's that's a long fight. That's okay. a long battle. All right. Huh. But hey, good news. But the composite rankings are OU seven. Uh, the last, I think the last episode we were talking about, they were six. I mean, they've dropped behind LSU. So, I mean, man. They were six when I, when I just looked earlier today. Did they? Uh, I looked about an hour and a half, two hours ago. They were seven on the, okay, it the, goes, on the composite. Okay, it goes back. So. so, I wonder if somebody got a commit then. Somebody must have jumped them. Yeah. I mean, they're right there with LSU. I mean, like, however their point system is, I mean, they're like a point away. So, I mean. Yeah, I was looking at it. They, yeah. I was looking at it like 6 a.m. this morning when I was laying in bed before getting up. Oh yeah, what? I mean, that's what What's I was up? doing. What do you? You know, it reminds me of. It reminds me of. Uh, you know, this is going to be a great, uh, <laughs> a great callback to the end of last episode when we were talking about movies. Varsity Blues. It reminds me of Varsity Blues. <laughs> Started that movie where uh, Paul Walker, may he rest in peace, the great Paul Walker, is given a speech at the pep rally, and he talks about how he was laying in bed last night, and all the girls are like, "Oh." <laughs> and he talks about how he was dreaming about winning the game upcoming Friday. Uh, do you remember who they're playing? This is why you come to. Do you remember who who they were playing? Oh, yeah. No, this is. I, I knew you wouldn't remember this. You're not. You're not a real fan of that movie. Are you kidding me? You remember who they were playing? Of course, I remember. I've probably watched that movie more than you have. Wow, that's pretty good. Who are they playing? Bangville. <sighs> that's right. But then. I didn't feel so sad because I know we're going to beat Bangville by way more than that. And then everyone goes crazy. <laughs> All right. Well done. That's very good. Bangville. Is it Bangville or Bingville? It's Bingville, Bangville. You know, I, I, I imagine but it's that like. that Texas draw, that, that, that fake Texas draw kind of makes it sound like Bangville. Bangville. I imagine it's, yeah, I, I imagine it's spelled like B-E-N-G-V-I-L-L-E. Man, I love that movie. All right. Uh. That's all I got. Any other final thoughts? No, did we ever? We did, we never talked about the and I. This is like super old news. Nobody cares about it anymore. We, did we ever talk about the Kyler Murray contract on this? 
I was no. thinking about that yesterday. No, we didn't. No, we never got into it. Um, that was a uh, that was a mess. I uh, I know this is not popular in OU fandom and like the like that was a the whole thing is a huge red flag for Kyler Murray. A big huge time. red flag. Big, big, big time. The fact that the Cardinals felt the need to do that, and Kyler Murray was cool with it. He's like, sure, whatever, I'll sign it. Uh, and then I, I'm my take, my thoughts is that the Cardinals leaked it. I think the Cardinals leaked it because they wanted it to be public. To hey, to go back to the start of this podcast, it's this, the same kind of situation. Uh, well. We're, we're speculating with the Anton Harrison stuff. Maybe Oklahoma's trying to light a fire under Anton Harrison. So I take that back. It has nothing to do with Kyler I mean, Murray. The, but it, I think that... It had to be the Cardinals think, that leaked it. Yeah. Well, I, I think the Cardinals are trying to light a fire under Kyler Murray. And, and the fact that the Cardinals came out and took it away, was that was dumb. Like, it made it more of a story. Just stand by it. People, people move on. Like, you know how that story has gone away? Nobody talks about it anymore. It's over. Like it. So like the Cardinals look think, really dumb coming out and taking it away. Like, oh, actually, it's like, why do it in the first place then? They made a, you know, they, I mean, it was monumentally stupid to leak that. That's what, I mean, that's why they should have taken it away because it's a giant middle finger to the, the quarterback that you just signed. Well, if the, the way I saw it is that we're giving this guy a bunch of money and we are really concerned about then don't give him his, the money. I, don't give him the money. I'm, I'm leaking that. Leaking that is is chicken bleep. That's crap. It might be. It might be. But what if it works? What if it finally gets him in the film room more than he already is? Because it, it won't because it was in bad faith. And so it's just going to piss. I mean, well, it's not going to matter anymore because they took it away. So he can do whatever he wants now. They can't. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's sidestepping the main issue, which is that's confirmation that the Cardinals don't think that Kyler Murray works hard enough. And I buy it. And here's the thing, though. I get what you're saying. It's like, then don't give him the money. They kind of have to, though, because quarterback's so hard to find in this league. And he's a guy like... Sure, yeah. And I'm, and I'm just like, but like, I, and, we, we then you're going to leak that? You're going to leak that to make him look bad? And it was, it was obviously the Cardinals that leaked it. Because Kyler Murray wouldn't leak that. His agent wouldn't leak it. Well, of course not. So, no. I mean, it was just... it's. I don't know. I mean, it's it kind of it kind of seems just like clown show all the way through. It is, but also it tells me either the Cardinals overreacted big time and they're way out of bounds here, or it's that bad that they they are risking making their player mad and embarrassing him because it's that bad. It's it's one of the two, and so I don't know if I ever get the answer to that. But I guess we'll find out. I mean, we'll find out. I. Um, yeah, I, I love Kyler. He's one of my favorite Sooners ever. That's I wouldn't be surprised if his career kind of starts to take a bit of a nosedive after that. I hate that offense. I hate the Cliff Kingsbury offense. They don't use motion ever. There's like not a whole lot of yeah. There's not a whole lot of motion. Like that lets the defense get set up. Uh, I I just I don't like that offense very much. They don't use play action a whole lot. I was reading something like a couple weeks ago. Uh, the thought was when Kyler Murray turns his head to the defense and turns back because of his size, like he will lose stuff. It'll like, he, he won't be able to see things a certain way. So they don't want to use play action that much. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, at some point his, 
it sucks, but at some point, like his size is going to factor in, man. I, like he's he's a great player, but it's gonna uh, maybe it, maybe this will be the year where he he, he plays more consistently. Uh, he's great at the start of the year, and then the la- latter half of the season, it seems like he kind of dips. And I know he got hurt a season ago; he missed some time. But I mean, he granted he, they they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion in the playoffs, but you know, he wasn't very good in that playoff game. And uh, we'll see what happens this year. I mean, obviously, I want him to do well. He's a great ambassador for the program. I mean, he was at Oklahoma for, what, three? Three, three years. years or two years? Three. 17. Yeah, 17, uh, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And, I mean, he loves OU. He loves OU. He, I mean, so. But, like, also, that, I mean. That means something. I don't know. Maybe he. Maybe he was so comfortable here because he could kind of do whatever he wanted and Lincoln Riley didn't care. Oh, well, I mean, of course. <laughs> it's definitely part of it. I mean, I, I heard some I mean, he, he's a quarterback. I mean, though you starting quarterback kind of gets preferential treatment anyways. Um uh, but I don't know. I mean, and we don't have time to get into it and I haven't watched it since it came out, but I mean, watching his press conference after that whole thing came out, kind of the ways he was defending himself. It wasn't all that convincing to me. Uh, but again, I can't remember specific examples. Just like he was really kind of using his size as a crutch. Like, you think a guy my size can play in this league without doing all the work? It's like, all right, yeah, okay. But there was one question where uh, I think he was asked, like, will, will this contract clause kind of change the way you go about your weeks, like your preparation, film? And he was like, oh, no, it's. Like, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. And I remember hearing that and thinking, nothing's going like, to, well, then why is this even in your contract then? Like, why would they put it in there? So, yeah, it, it, it's either somebody is not telling the full truth. It's either the Cardinals or it's Kyler Murray. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. That kind of seems like a joke organization. So, which is too bad. That's, I mean, that's too bad. Like, I, you know, I, I thought there was a really good chance that that was going to work out really well. You know, with Kingsbury. And, like, I mean, over three it years, has. it has. I mean, it has for the most part. I mean, they've been a good team. But uh, I just don't know if their ceiling is – I don't know if their ceiling is going to be Super Bowl. Yeah, it feels a little – it feels – it, it does. It, it feels like starting kind of in the last quarter of last season, it feels like it's starting to unravel there for sure. All right, that'll do it for today. Uh, we'll be back. I think – I'm pretty sure next week's our big season preview. So crap! I gotta do a bunch of research and stuff. Out of prep because then, well, yeah, the week after that is <laughs> UTEP preview, baby. And UTEP will have a game under the bell already. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's we'll right. They play week watch. zero too. Man, I'm, I'm gonna watch yeah. every snap of that game. <laughs> I <Twice>. cannot wait. <laughs> uh, and the fact that they're playing so early and there's fewer games, I mean, it might be televised. So we might actually be able to, to actually watch a, a decent chunk of it. I think it is. It's probably, it's probably like on away. CBS Sports Network or something yeah. like that. Uh, all right, so big season preview next week. We'll see. Uh, I think we talked about this a while back. Maybe we're going to change some things up. Maybe we'll go a different route, how we present the big season preview. Uh, I don't know. You and I got to talk about that off the air and figure it out as we move on. Anyways, not a problem for you guys. That's our problem. We'll figure it out. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. 
You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.